Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic to keep myself entertained, learn something, and get to meet some of my favorite people that I have never seen in person. Um, today, my guest is Madeline Warden. I've known Madeline uh, via the emails for, I don't know, at least 10 years or longer, Madeline. I can't even remember. Oh, I think it might go more like 20. Oh. <laughs> But we've never actually met in person. And this is true. I, I, am, uh, I loved her work. I have loved her work and I've known of her and I know she's just been doing great things out there. So I'm really excited to have her as my guest today to talk about metabolic horses and five element theory. So welcome, Madeline. Thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you, Wendy. And even though Wendy and I have never met in person, I feel like our, our paths have been parallel with what we're, we're doing to change thinking, you know, in the horse world. And when I wrote my Horse Harmony book, I thought about who, can, who could I get to do the foreword for my book that thinks the same way I do, that's looking to create better relationships with horse owners and horses and improve the lives of horses. And Wendy was the first person that came to my mind, and I was so happy that she graciously decided to do the foreword for my book, even though it's a whole new concept. Well, not new concept based on traditional Chinese medicine, but new concept bringing it to horses. Mm -hmm. So it's just, a, it's really a pleasure for me to be on here with Wendy and doing this webinar and realizing that we continue to do our part in the horse world, and it's making a difference. I don't know what, how you feel, Wendy, but I feel like things are changing. Of course, I'd love for them to change faster, but um, horses, I think, are doing a lot better in many cases than they have in the past. I, I absolutely agree that, that things are getting better. And, and the one thing, and that's why I've been doing these webinars, is that I know all these great people, but most of the people that I know uh, are not necessarily technologically savvy. In other words, I've had to train a lot of my guests on how to use Zoom. And so what I know is they're, they're squirreled away in their own little world doing what they do best, but their information's not getting out. And so that was really one of the, the reasons for doing these webinars is to let the public know that there is a wealth of resources out there in all around the world all of us looking at new ways in different ways or incorporating very old ideas like five element theory to, to the horses so that we can improve the quality of life and the relationship between horse and owner. Absolutely. And, it, and you're so right. The technology, even though I know I cuss it a lot, it has, it has empowered us to do our own research and, and go outside of our local area, because that's one of the things that, you know, that uh, with me, with the holistic medicine and, and doing more consults is because there's so many people in so many parts of the country that just have no access to any sort of different, it's still old school thinking. So in, someone's in already asked what the name of your book is. So I can, I'll type that in, just say it again. And I'll type it in the chat. It's horse, it's horse harmony. I'm glad you said it because I, I was, I had, I have five element theory stuck in my head. <laughs> uh, well, and, that, and that's what it involves. I was, 
I'll give a little bit of, of my history. You know, I graduated from Texas A&M in 1980. And um, I came out of school with, with the, I mean, conventional medicine was all that I knew. And I was determined to be the best veterinarian that I could be. And I, I studied and I read all the books and, and um, went to all the meetings. And yet I found in my practice that the animals that I was caring for were not what I considered healthy. And I was spending so much of my time treating the chronic conditions in these horses, whether it was multiple colics, laminitis, uveitis, chronic respiratory conditions. And the harder I work using conventional medicine to make these horses better, the more sick they got. So in the, I started, I, I gave it a good 10 years. And this is when I talk to other holistic veterinarians, a lot of them will say that at about 10 years, they had, they just sat back and went, this is not working. You know, I, I could blame it initially on, well, I'm just young. I don't know enough. And um, I just need more experience. But after banging my head against the wall and, and seeing so many horses that I cared about so much, having a lot of suffering, I started reaching out, you know, what else could there be? And I um, actually got together with a microbiologist and we used to have dinner all the time and talk about our frustrations with the way conventional medicine was being done. And she had a, another friend, a uh, veterinarian that was kind of in the same place that I was. And she said, you know, my friend is going to take a course in acupuncture. And I'm like, acupuncture? For horses and she's like I don't know if it's for horses or dogs or cats or whatever it is but she's taking it and I'll see how she likes it so she went and took the acupuncture course I looked at it and it was out of my I had a solo practice so I was on call 24 7 there were no other horse vets in the area at all and I just couldn't swing it to, to do the the cost and the amount of time away from my practice so I said, you know, you go, Elaine, and, and call me, tell me what you find out, and then I'll start saving and go. So she goes to the, to the meeting. She calls me. She said, this is just unbelievable. This is a whole new world. And I found out that there's another modality that you can use called homeopathy. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And she said, well, there's a meeting in San Antonio that's happening right now. And I said, well, who do I call? So I ended up calling, there was a meeting down in San Antonio. It had already started, but I could get out on the Sunday session that happened to be for horses. So Dr. Ed Schaefer was doing that presentation. I got in there, I went in there and I was, I was mesmerized. I, I was like, oh my God, why did I not learn any of this in school? And they were talking about how the body heals from the inside and, and how we need to use symptoms to guide us on what the body needs to heal itself. And I was just like, this is, this is what I've been looking for. So long story short, I ended up getting my certification in homeopathy. I immediately got my certification in acupuncture because I said, I don't care how much this costs. This, this is what I have to do. And it was at that acupuncture training that I got the exposure probably back in around the mid 90s to the five element temperament typing from Dr. Peggy Fleming. And it was something that 
I thought was very fascinating, but I just, it was one of those things, I just filed it away in the back of my mind. It's like, well, that's interesting. I think we, she did like a morning presentation. But then a few years later, I got a young mule. And I was so excited to have this young mule because he was going to be my new riding mule because my other mule was getting in her mid twenties and ready to retire. And I had been doing natural horsemanship and I was so excited. It's like, wow, I'm going to do all these new things that I've learned with him. And he's, he's going to be such a good mule. Nope. That was not what God had in mind for me. He sent me a wood mule that the, if anybody knows about the typing, the wood animals are very competitive. They need big, big jobs and they need strong, very strong leadership. And here, here I am in a practice, I'm working 80, 90 hours a week. I wanted an animal that I could just go, you know, cuddle up with and maybe go for a little 30 minute trail ride once a week, but work on my horsemanship skills. And, and he was like, oh, that's not who I am. And I tried for five years um, to make him to be the animal that I wanted him to be. I thought I could train him into, I mean, not that I was abusive or anything. I say it's just, but I was just like, he doesn't, you know, I haven't gotten him trained enough for him to be gentle and, and dependable. And um, so after he, he finally hurt me, because that was the only way that he could get my attention, did I, because I am a little stubborn sometimes, that's one reason I think God gave me mules. And it finally occurred to me to look back at the temperament typing and determine what temperament type he was. And when I determined that he was a wood mule, I realized that that was not going to be a match for my lifestyle. And it was just, it was not fair to him to have that expectation. But it took a lot for me to get to that point. But that's why I decided to write the book and dedicate it to Jake because I felt like my experience, as painful as it was, could make a difference for many, many other horses and many, many other people, not only in their quality of life, but actually even their safety. Because so now that you've mentioned the five element theory, um, can you just uh, give us a brief synopsis of each one, each person? Yeah, I'll go through just the main types. There, I, in my book, I discuss some of the other types are in some of my other writings, but the main types are fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. And the fire horses are very, very sensitive. They're usually um, very pretty horses. They have, they love to be praised. They want to have a good friendly relationship and they'll try really hard for you. They, they love to perform and show off and, and be admired. And they're, they're just, they're very forgiving, very forgiving horses. But they do, you know, they, they, you need to handle them because in a way, because they are sensitive. If you're rough with them, it's, they can't take that. They can't take pain and they can't take rough handling and it will lead to health problems for them. So my, my, um, my little quarter horse, Andy, um, was a fire horse and he was so true to type. And I think that's when, uh, when did your book come out? What year did you look real quick? It, it, um, I think it was around 2000 and 
2007. Okay, because um, I got Andy in, two, in, in 99, actually. But when I read your book, I knew he was immediately a fire, very gregarious, very sociable, very interacting. But when things went south. <laughs> yes, exactly. He was hysterical, literally right. hysterical. Right. And he got every skin thing. He was a chestnut with four white socks. You know, the spider yep. would bite him between the legs. He would have the skin stuff. You know, he was super sensitive. Um, and, but when he was on, he was the most entertaining horse that I have ever owned. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the horse that I got after Jake, because Jake really set me back in my confidence. And the horse that I got after him was a fire horse. And she absolutely built my confidence back up. And just, we had the most incredible relationship, the relationship I was never going to be able to have with Jake. And Jake, just so people know, I ended up calling um, Tom Curtin because I had oh. gone to quite a few clinics with Tom. And I started Jake at a Buck Brandeman clinic as a, as a yearling and ended up doing the cold starting with him. So it's not like he didn't have, I worked with Linda Hoover. I worked with, oh my with, goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah, with Janet Manley. I mean, I worked with some incredible trainers and they all knew the mule. And I remember Linda Hoover one time was talking to um, Buck Brannemann and she, you know, my friends were concerned because they saw that this was not working out. But, you know, when you're in that relationship, you don't see it. So I was just, you know, going on. And, and so Linda asked Buck Brannemann at one of the clinics, it's like, hey, you kind of see how she's dealing with this mule. What do you think? You think it can work out? And Buck, you know, in his usual, he just looked at Linda and said, well, I wouldn't send him out in traffic. And Linda kind of smiled and she's like, oh yeah, well, they've already done that. <laughs> you know? so I had him bolt across the highway with me, you know? So she's like, okay, well, that's what I needed to hear. Yeah. So I, told, I called Tom and he knew the mule really well. And, and his father, R.L. Curtin, was the mule skinner in Dances with Wolves. So he's wow. a big mule man. So he tells me, it's like, my dad would take the mule. He would love him but he can't pay you anything for him. And I'm like, trust me, that's not a problem. <laughs> and he can't come get him. And I'm like, I don't know, where is he? And he's like, he's in New Mexico. I said, well, as soon as I heal up, I'll deliver him. <laughs> so, and, and he had the mule um, until he died. And he continually asked Tom, doesn't she have any more of these? I love this mule. And, but his idea of a trail ride was 20 miles to town and back. And that's what that mule needed. And that's what that mule just thrived and ended up being his, his best animal. And he used him for everything. And he, he did a lot of, of big uh, trail rides. And he, he, this horse was in, in this mule. He had him in his harness and everything. So what I want, the message I want to get across to people is that just because it's not a match for you does not mean that it's not just the animal that somebody else is looking for. And if it has health problems or if it has behavior problems, give that animal a chance in a different environment to excel. And that, that I think that Jake is the perfect story of that. Yeah, that's really, that's, it's so important that we, you know, that we find the right job for the horse or that we find the horse that wants the job that we want. Absolutely. And, you know, and I often talk to people about, you know, it's okay to get a divorce. Exactly. And yep. so many people feel, you know, I just, I, I have to make it with this horse, but 
often you break with that yes. horse. And you so do. I, you um, do. It's important. And, and the horse is, is, it's not fair to the horse either. Right. So it's one thing to get an animal that's not necessarily a perfect match for you and learn from them. But as you say, if it's not working, let it, let it go. Give everybody another, another chance. And the, but before, you know, oftentimes I'll talk with people that they're having trouble with their animals. And that's one reason I want to talk about this today. And it's because they're simply not managing them correctly. It's maybe not that it's not the right match, but that animal is having behavior or health problems because of the, of the way they're being managed. So sometimes just changing the management can make the match work. Right. Okay. So we have fire, which is gregarious, but hysterical if on the unhappy side. Right. And then your, your mule was wood? He was a wood. So what are the, the, the ups and down characteristics of wood? Wood, it, wood wants to be oftentimes with a professional trainer in a, in a professional sport. Some place where the stakes are high, the competition is very tough, and winner takes all. That's, that's the attitude of the wood. And, and um, if you don't give them a big enough job, then they're going to look to you to um, be able to, to win. So that's, where, that's what the problem that I had with my mule was just constant power struggles. Everything I asked him to do, it was like, make me. Because he didn't have a big, he didn't have a, I wasn't challenging him. I wasn't giving him something that he felt like that was worthy of him and his, and his skills. So that's when you end up with, with having these constant fights. A wood horse will pick fights because they want to win. And if they find that you are a formidable um, opponent, then they are very happy and they will pick many fewer fights. But they, they want something that they can push against and they can go home and say, wow, I did great today. I really, I really won that battle. Okay. And, it, and it, the five element theory doesn't just apply to horses, right? I mean, we could also think about this in terms of human personalities and how our personalities match with our horses. Absolutely. In, in traditional Chinese medicine, we're talking about 3,000 years of five element thinking, five element theory being a big part of their world that, that they live in. And this is just kind of brand new to us here in the West and certainly brand new as far as applying it to our animals. But like I was talking about the fire horse, they're beautiful and they're amazing competitors, but not, it's not as important to them to win as it is that they be admired and that they did well in their job. They want to please their person. So if you get a wood temperament person that gets a fire horse and the fire horse gave everything that they possibly had, but they didn't win. And that wood person is unhappy. That is, that is just devastating to a fire horse because they feel like that they, they never can please that person. So you see that, you know, you see that a lot. And then you see that fire temperament person that goes to a horse show and sees this beautiful horse competing with a professional trainer riding it and thinks, oh, that's the horse for me and buys that horse 
and then is way too timid. And the horse, the, that wood horse who was wonderful with the trainer that has set very firm boundaries, was very clear with what their expectations were. And now you have this more timid rider that wants to just kind of sit up there and look nice and, and look pretty. And the wood horse is just all over that. And it's like, I, I, got, I got control of this situation. So wood horses are often really good competitive show horses, it sounds Oh, like. absolutely. They are. And ranch horses and working horses. Jobs. Um, yeah, they just, they want, they want a job. And they want, they love to push on things and, and be dominant. So if you're, you're moving cattle around or roping or those kinds of things, they're all, if you watch, if you watch professional rodeo, and you see those horses in the bulldogging box and their ears are flat back against their head and they're watching that cow. And when that cow comes out of the chute, it doesn't matter what the rider's doing. They're on it. And you know, it's, it's those, that's the, that's the wood horse or in some cases the metal horse, but the metal horse is there, their ears are forward and they're ready to do their job. The wood horse is like, Oh, I'm taking you down. All right, so tell us about a metal horse. What, how would we recognize a metal so horse? The, the metal horse is just the, the hard-working, dependable, uh, loyal soldier that does his job. He could be dragging a leg, and he's like, I got this. I, can, I, can do, I, can, I know what my job is, and I can do my job. And it's a different attitude. A lot of people will get the wood horses and the metal horses confused, and there's a lot of reason for that, because the metal horse, the metal element in traditional Chinese medicine controls the wood element. And the metal element is the immune system. So it's the lungs and large intestine. And that metal element can go weak pretty easily. And the wood element hardly ever goes weak. I mean, it can. It, there certainly is a, a condition with a deficient wood. But the more common condition is excess wood. And so you combine excess wood with a deficient metal, and it starts to look like a wood horse. So the, but the metal, the metal horse is generally not combative. The metal horse is not going to pick fights with you. But the metal horse does want to respect the person that it's working with. So the metal horse wants to do their job because it's their job, not because they are out to win, but they've learned their job, they know their job, and they really don't appreciate if the person that is working with them interferes with them doing their job. This sounds like a school horse. Very much, absolutely. Your, your school horses, your schoolmasters, absolutely. That, that metal horse that has been there, done that, and as long as the, the only thing, I wouldn't put a beginner on a metal horse because that, that metal horse needs to have a, a good partner. We'll talk about the earth horses for the beginner. But once you've got someone that is advanced a little bit and wants to, to learn a skill, you know, whether it's barrel racing, jumping, whatever it is, and needs a solid horse that will do the job so that the rider can focus on their learning skills, then that metal horse will do it. And that metal horse will let you know, it's like you leaned forward before the jump. I don't like that, stop that, <laughs> you know? So very much the teacher, very much um, uh, kind of bringing you along. Exactly, it's like, let me show you how, how this is done. 
a friend of mine, a funny story about a metal horse. And this is, this is how, how I hate to use the term rigid, maybe consistent in their thinking, but she had a young horse that she was teaching to rope. And this horse was always doing the healing portion of the team roping. And one day they were at practice and one of the people that was there that had a heading horse, they weren't, they didn't make it. So they needed somebody to, to rope the head and so that somebody else could practice on the healing. So she takes her little metal horse over into the head side of the box. And that horse is arguing with her the whole way. It's like, what are you doing? I go on the other side. What is wrong with you? And so she, they come out of the box and that horse just barrels over, takes out the other horse that's coming out and gets himself in position to do the healing. So that's, that's kind of the typical metal horse. So if you're going to change something up on a metal horse, it's a challenge for them. It's very disruptive for them. That's why they're perfect for a school horse where what they're going to do is they're going to go out and go, you know, twice around the outside and once across the middle. And they know that that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it exactly the same every time. It's your job to train this kid, a rider, to get with me on that. But that's what I'm going to do. Don't ask me to go twice around the outside the wrong direction. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know? I, had a, um, I had a wonderful dressage horse that I got. She was older and well-trained. Um, and her previous owner said that the horse trained the owner. But yeah. um, she, she was a dressage horse and I learned so much from her. But one day I had a friend rider to get her fit because I was traveling and they rode out on the trail and they came to a log and Fanny absolutely refused to step over the log because in dressage, you do not go over the rail. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Classic, classic metal horse thinking. Yep. And so um, the rider literally had to turn around and find another way because she would not step over that log. That was right. it. <laughs> it, it is, this is true. And, and if once you know that about a metal horse, then you can, you can understand that. Now, had it been the owner, yep, they probably could have negotiated and gotten it done. But, you know, in the metal horse's mind, I've got an idiot on me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they don't understand this. <laughs> so it, is, it, it just makes such a difference to me to look at it from the horse's point of view. And once you have that relationship with the horse, you can say to your metal horse, you know, I know that we, this is not what we normally do, but this is what I need for you to do for me today. And, and they can work with you on that. But, it, but if, it, if they don't have respect for the owner, they, they're like, no, I'm not paying any attention to you. You don't know what you're talking about. And so that's where the relationship is, is critical. Yeah. Now, there are other, other systems that put personalities on horses, but, but the five element theory is different than, than a personality. It's a trait, right? I mean, we're looking Dude, at- That is such a great, amazing point, Wendy because I differentiate between temperament and personality. So there's a, I, I welcome any system that types the horses is, you know, when the intention is to have it be a better relationship and learn how to work with those individual horses. But temperament is what the horse with is born with. That's their innate being. That's who they are. Personality develops based on their life experience. 
So oftentimes you're dealing with a personality that is not a match for their underlying temperament. And I run into this all the time when people call me to type a horse and they will have a horse that's having, you know, sometimes very severe behavior problems. And that is, you may have to work with, with that personality that that horse is exhibiting in this moment knowing that that's not necessarily the underlying temperament of the horse. That's that horse's survival skills. So, so if we were to define personality, then it's the behaviors that they learn to cope with their world versus what they're, as you say, what they're born with, the qualities yes. that they have at birth. Exactly. Exactly. So you deal with the personality and a lot of times personality develops, negative personality develops from bad management. And so that's where you have to delve down and pain. Absolutely. You know, and which bad management can also often lead to pain, but it might be something as simple as you have a fire horse that's acting out and acting completely crazy and spooking at everything and very fearful. And you might initially think, well, this is a water horse, but in reality, it's a fire horse that is in pain. Yeah, because, you know, there's, there's some systems and they try to talk about this horse as an introvert or an extrovert, but that really is looking at how that horse is interacting with people and how that relationship has developed. In other words, um, you know, if a horse is just going to walk away from you and not talk to you, it could be that it was abused. And so its personality and its habits have developed, but the yeah. horse could be a very gregarious fire underneath that that once we take away these layers and compensations, and I like to think about how important, um, you know, vagus nerve, vagus nerve, we're wired for connection, but when we've had trauma, we're wired for protection. Yes. And so when you start to layer on injuries, uh, abuse, uh, poor understanding, pain, confusion, right. you, it's almost like the difference between posture and confirmation. Um, yes, that's a great analogy. It's a very good analogy. <clears throat> and, um, and you can also find horses, there is, you know, something you said, the introvert to extrovert. I think horses can be born more introvert, extrovert, but that can become accentuated as they are mismanaged. And they can, the, the introverts go into more of a shutdown right. and the extroverts go into more of a, um, hysterical. Right. Where, where they just, they can't take it. You know, they can't take it. They're not capable of um, tolerating things anymore. You know, they may, they may try, you know, try for a while, but then you, you know, you have to, you have to kind of recognize that. But that being said, you can have a horse that is introverted, that's been pushed to the point that it, it is in so much pain that you know, and somebody will say to you, this horse, I don't know what has gone wrong with this horse. He's always been so good. And now he's bucking. Well, he's been so good until he couldn't anymore. Right. And then you can take that extrovert type fire or water horse that has just been so misunderstood and mistreated and mishandled and oftentimes punished for having emotions that they can go into just a complete shutdown where they just don't care anymore. Right, and so I think it's really important, um, and I find that people wanna label horses really, really quickly 
Um, I know when I approach a horse, I'm often looking to see what's, what am I, what's underneath what I'm seeing, not reacting to what I'm seeing on the surface, but what's really underneath because it's so easy to make a judgment and then wind up labeling that horse for the rest of its life in some ways. Absolutely. And you're missing it because you're dealing with the the posture part of it, if you will, the posturing of behaviors because it's trying to protect itself. Exactly. So so much of this can be recognized in foals. If you you look at a group of foals, um, you can pick out oftentimes the temperament types before they've had a lot of handling by people. And that, if you're paying attention to that, I've got a good friend of mine that, that manages, she works with all the young horses on a, on a breeding farm. And she will pick out the, the foals as to what their temperament type is. And she'll look, you know, she'll look at him and she'll go, oh yeah, I know you, you're going to need a lot more boundaries. And then she'll, you know, she'll pick out another one and we'll talk about, you know, maybe the, the water horse and she'll see that, um, that water horse that's way more more careful about things and, and less adventuresome in the beginning, she's like, okay, I'll make sure that I hold you for the first time that your, your feet are trimmed. And we're going to make this easy for you. You know, in dogs, they, they actually have a scoring system, I believe, to look at their personalities, uh, sorry, not their person, their temperaments, right, right from puppyhood. So that... Yes you have a good match between that puppy and who's going to own that puppy so that the relationship works. Absolutely. It, it would be interesting if we could do more of that with horses so that we make sure we have good matches from the beginning and don't need that divorce. Yeah. Well, and it, what happens so often is that people go out and they breed two horses that are of a temperament type and they expect then the full that will be that temperament type. And it does not work that way. And so it creates a, a lot of disharmony from the very beginning. And oftentimes a lot of, of money that was spent in training that could have been saved and a lot of, of pain and suffering for the horse that was never going to be able to do. Racehorses are a classic example, you know, that, that everybody expects their horse to be a wood racehorse. And my God, if we only ran wood racehorses, racing i would support it all day and night but unfortunately we don't we have so much um breakage in the racehorse industry because horses are being forced to run that that's the last thing that they want to be doing and thank god for the people that do the racehorse rescue right and i think there again that's one of those areas where the the um the mentality is really changing the racehorse trainers are now seeing right away. It's like, I don't want to spend my time and my reputation working with this horse He's never going to be a racehorse. And they seek out those rescue organizations and they get those horses out of there before they're, they're broken down. Yeah. And it's great. They're really the, the identification of a, a horse that's really going to like it, like justify, you could see justify absolutely love his job. Absolutely. Um, he would be a wood horse, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I just remember that the jockey, when he was uh, said after the Belmont, he said when he went to the start gate, he wasn't sure if the horse was going to break out of the gate because he was so relaxed. And basically, the horse was conserving every ounce of energy for the actual race. And that's right. the kind of horse you want for racing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah, you see these horses that 
um, I think Barbaro, you know, would be a good example. You know, you, we think of it, what a, you know, horrible, you know, sad thing that was, but, but that horse went out doing what he loved. And, you know, there's a lot of human athletes that do dangerous things that we look at them and think, oh, you know, what were you, what were you thinking? And they're like, yeah, I know it's dangerous, but it, I love it. You know, it's just, it's who I am. So one, you know, that would be to me incredible if you could get into the racehorse industry and just run your woods and your metals. Right. And it'd be fabulous. We've got fire, which is gregarious, but sensitive. We've got wood, which are your, your give me a job and let me do my job. You've got your metal, which are, let me show you, let me teach you, but don't ask me something that it's not what my job is, you know, that. Right. right. And then we've and, got two more. Yes. Yeah, so the, the earth horse, we talked about the lesson horses. The earth horse is your lesson horse for your beginner. They're going to be hanging on their mouth, wobbling all to the side. They, you know, they don't know what they're doing. And that earth horse is just got this sweet, kind look on their eyes. So tolerant, so happy to be doing in a relationship and getting attention in any way. They know they're going to go back to their stall. They're going to get, you know, a good meal. It's not a hard life for them. And they are, they tend to be slow. They're not going to run off with the little kid, no matter what happens. And that's all they want to do. You know, that, that earth horse is not, people say earth horses are lazy. I like to look at it the other way. Earth horses are not ambitious. They're not out there. They, they don't want to, struggle in order to win they want an easy simple comfortable life that's what makes them happy and they are incredible they're the they're that um you know that that horse that you can have out on the farm when the the grandkids go to visit and they can go out and climb all over the horse and climb up on their back and wrap their hug them around their legs and and that horse is just perfectly happy to do that it's never going to hurt a kid. So a lot of times the, and, and earth horses certainly can be talented and they certainly can be very successful competitive horses, but they may not be that, um, you know, stadium jumper or that one D barrel horse, but they may go out and consistently win the hunter rounds because they're steady. And they may be that barrel horse that can go to the, to the divisional races and consistently, you know, get that 2D or 3D saddle. So it's not that they're not, they don't make good competitive horses. They're just not going to be that top tier horse. They're not going to be going to the NFR or to the Olympics, you know, but they, they can have a very solid career. And um, they're they're steady. Food is very important to your earth horse. Absolutely. It's very important to them. And unfortunately for them, they are tend to be very, very easy keepers. So one of the things with the earth horses, if you want to keep that horse healthy, you're going to have to, to feed them, not so much limit their food, but make sure that their food is not a high sugar, high calorie food. And they, you know, some people, you know, that earth horse and they think, well, they gain weight so easily. So I'm just going to give a, a flake of hay twice a day. That's, that doesn't, that's not what you do. You feed that horse what it needs to do, but you may need to, to test your hay. 
you, you're not going to want to feed that earth horse alfalfa. You're not going to want to feed that earth horse a real sugary grass hay. You may want to test your hay and make sure that it's less than 10% on the sugars and starch and do something like Timothy balance cubes that are designed to be, you know, low sugar. There's a lot of feeds out there these days that are designed for easy keeping horses that you can give them more food, but it's less, less calories. And I think the earth horses do really well if you give them a high quality fat, um, not a large amount, but enough to satisfy them because fat is very satisfying and it's very filling. So something like chia seeds works really well on those earth horses, satisfies so they're not so starving all the time because they still need their minerals and their vitamins. They just don't need a lot of sugar. So before we get into more of the metabolic side, let's do the last one, which is what? Yeah, the last one is going to be your water horse. And your water horse is a, an elegant, wise, um, sensitive horse. They are incredibly athletic, but the emotion associated with water is fear. So that's what I was talking about, being able to recognize in that group of foals and see that water horse that, you know, when the other horses are going to investigate, another foals are going to investigate, you know, something new in the pasture, that water horse is kind of holding back and going, oh, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm not sure that that's safe. That's kind of the, the motto of the water horses. I want to be safe. So they really need where the fire horse wants to wants praise from that person from their their person the water horse wants safety i have to know that you are going to manage me in such a way that i'm going to be safe and the sad thing is with a lot of water horses they get um emotionally damaged when they're very young because they're just treated like the all the, all the other horses they're they're pulled in they're thrown up against the wall to get their feet trimmed and they're, they get, you know, pulled in, they get, you know, wrangled and they're, we're going to give you your vaccinations and now you're going to have this wormer shoved down your throat or whatever. And it destroys their trust from the very beginning. And it's very hard for them to ever trust people again. So, so it's really critical that they get a good start. There was, um, I had one client and it was a Frisian Appaloosa cross. And when I met this horse, it looked like a Frisian with spots. And Dr. Harmon, I, I had the client work with Dr. Harmon, and she yeah. said that this was a water horse. And apparently they're not that common, or what, what are the percentages of some of these personalities? Like, if I understand right, but he wound up being an awesome horse because once we started to understand him, he then let go of the Frisian neck carriage and started to look more like an Appaloosa. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing that you say that they're not that common. I would, I don't know what the percent, I think there's, you know, there's all types of horses, but we don't breed for water horses mm. because they, they're not stable for, you know, that, you know, what we want to do. So you're going to see our breeding programs tend to be more that wood horse for competition or the earth horse for that gentle, you know, kid's horse that we want. And the water horse, and except for that special person, doesn't have as much of a place. Mm -hmm. And the other sad thing about the water horses is a lot of them don't make it. 
So they don't live to be bred because they panic and injure themselves. Right. So that's, I had, you know, that's, that's a great observation, you know, from Dr. Harmon that you just don't see as many water horses because they, you know, water horses are wonderful when they are started correctly, but this just goes back to a lot of our horses are not started correctly, but that's changing, you know, and, and, and that water horse can be the best horse you could ever have. You know, the water horse is oftentimes the wise one in the herd that makes all the decisions and all the other horses look to them because they're very um, gracious leaders. Well, he turned out to be a a really great horse, but I can remember specifically once we were in the arena at Dr. Herman's place and there was a thunderstorm and we literally had to take him to the barn because of his fear of the thunderstorm. But once we started to recognize with Dr. Herman's help of understanding his personality, he blossomed, but it really did require the owner understanding who he really was. Right, right, absolutely. And taking that horse to the barn, that's where I talk about, you're not going to train them out of who they are. So probably you raised yourself significantly in esteem by that horse, by taking him to the barn, because he's like, oh my God, thank heavens my person gets this. This is dangerous. So, you know, that's what you have to understand with that water horse. They're not going to get to the point where, you know, where it's clapping thunder and lightning and they're like, okay with it. Right. So, you know, there may be situations where you have that relationship that you have to get through it, but why would you want to take them to the barn where they feel safe? Yeah. This is not a power struggle. Right. So, you know, that's where just the temperament typing to me is, is miraculous. It's uh, for me, it's been super helpful and, you know, like, um, to understand my horses and understand how they're approaching life. And, you know, I mean, I, I can remember one horse so clearly was like, don't bother touching me, but give me a serious job and I'll do my job. I don't want to be groomed. I don't want to mess with. And, you know, some people want to cuddle those horses and they're like, oh, yeah, Yeah. Um, that's right. Give them the space that they need or the relationship uh, or match that. And I think that's the key. Like, with my fire horse, if I was having a bad day, I could not go near that horse. He was too yes. and he was overly reacting to my emotion. Whereas if I'm having a bad day and I go to my earth horse to Al, yeah. he's like, hi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a hug. Yeah, would you rub my ears, please? That's my favorite thing. You can go in yeah. and rub my ears. And, um, and it makes such a difference for me because I would get so frustrated with my fire horse because I wasn't in a good place and I wanted some horse time so that I could feel better. But he, that he would just express all of that. And and the number of times we matched, like one time, both of our liver enzymes were elevated at the same time. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because I've thought about this a lot. You know, I think that, that dogs are here to teach us about unconditional love. And I think that cats are here to teach us about, you don't have to put up with that. Stand up for yourself. Horses are about honesty. Mm. And so you're not going to be able to fake it with a horse. And I used to find this in my practice when I did conventional practice. And I had some clients in the beginning of my practice when I was first getting started that I had so much frustration with. And I would come to their barn and they'd be you know, rattling on about something. And I would just be, let's just catch the horse and get this done. 
And I would go to catch the horse and it'd be like, oh, no, 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 you are not catching me. And, and you know, I mean, I wouldn't go to the horse with bad intent, but the horse sensed and I would, it really taught me. It's like, you know what? You're judging. You need to let this go. This person is doing the best that they can. The horses, they are matched up for a reason. You go in and you do your job and you, you know, get, get out, you know, get over yourself. And when I started thinking that way, the horses are like, I sure. Yeah. Come on, catch me up, whatever you need to do. So, <laughs> so they really do reflect back to us where we need to grow. Yeah. All right. So we've got fire, wood, metal, earth, and water. Exactly. And you're saying that based on their personality, they can have different metabolic issues or need to be managed in different ways for keeping their meta metabolism healthy. That is absolutely true. So we'll just start and we'll run through this fairly quickly, but, the, for, but I think it's very important. So your fire horse, one, because the fire horse so much wants to please and is so sensitive, so to the fire horse, it's like there's hardly ever the perfect day. There's always like a little too much wind or the moon was too bright last night or I have a tiny little sharp point on the very back of my left upper molar and it is driving me crazy. So that's the fire horse life. There's always something that's not right. So they tend to, to go more to that sympathetic nervous system where they're always a little bit in that fight or flight because there's just always something that's, that's just not right in their world. So what happens with those horses, especially if they're in a situation where nobody goes out of the way to make things a little bit more right for them, like make sure that their tack fits, make sure that their feet are trimmed regularly, make sure that their teeth don't have that little sharp point that another horse that wouldn't bother at all, but it really does just make them crazy. And, um, and gives and make sure that they are allowed to do their job in such a way that's not causing pain and their joints are taken care of and they are not asked to work harder than they are physically capable to do because they will keep trying even if they are not strong enough. Like for instance, you know, you try and take a fire horse, they don't have real heavy muscling. They're not generally extra strong horses. Even, you know, I mean, obviously a, a quarter horse is going to be stronger than a thoroughbred at fire, but they still need more time to develop their musculature, especially around like their stifles to support that stifle. They don't tend to have a real strong muscling in their hind end unless that muscle is built. So if none of those things are taken care of, you have a fire horse that much earlier than another type horse will burn out. Mm -hmm. So what that looks like, from a metabolic point of view, is they start looking like a Cushing's horse at a very young age. So normally we think about classic Cushing's is something that develops late in the horse's life, in their late teens, 20s, just from years of, of wear and tear and, anti and uh, free radical damage to that pituitary um, so that they're not producing the hormones that they need to control that ACTH. And that's just a you know wear and tear type thing. But with a fire horse, you can start seeing those Cushing signs. Sometimes I've seen it as young as, as like a, a yearling. 
and they'll and they'll start having showing signs of the long hair coat, maybe showing laminitis, um, and you'll test them, and it's like ACTH is up, and you know it's like oh well you know, and then you know you've got that horse that you know is four years old and they're on pergolide. Those horses are not Cushing's horses, and I don't think that that the drugs are the answer for those horses. What they need is they need adrenal support, and they need to be managed in such a way that they can relax into that parasympathetic nervous system so that they can find that place of peace, that they can digest their food better, they can learn, and they are not constantly full of anxiety and... Um, and, and just deplete their energy. And that, that fire horse that walks the pin is not a horse that has too much energy, it's a horse that doesn't have enough energy. So they, they need to be you know, handled in a way that they, that they can be allowed to relax. You've gotta look, you know, what is causing this horse stress? Does it have an ulcer? Does it have, and they, they don't have necessarily the classic stomach ulcers, small intestine and heart, are the organs associated with fire. So they tend to have more of an indigestion type problems. So they may need a, they may need more, well, they don't may, they oftentimes do much better on alfalfa that's more easily digested and buffers their stomach acid is digested more easily in the small intestine. So if you give those horses a lot of grain, it's not going to get digested. It's gonna be dumped into the large intestine because they can't relax enough for the food to stay where it should be in the digestive tract to be properly digested. So that's that horse that early on, you know, starts showing what you might call, you know, like Cushing's and it's really more of an adrenal insufficiency and adrenal exhaustion because they've just spent so much of their life in that sympathetic uh, fight or flight mode. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it looks like we have a question. Yep, uh, I have a fire horse comet diagnosed with Cushing's, took him off those meds and gave him allergy meds and turnout. He's doing well. He's a chestnut too. And I was, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's my little yeah, so, fire So I, I look at those horses. Now the thing is with, with the, um, the drugs to lower the ACTH, if the ACTH is super, super high, now that does have its damaging effects. So I'm not saying that you don't want to get that ACTH down, but I think what happens is that ACTH is elevated for a different reason. That ACTH is elevated because that horse needs more cortisol. It's saying to the adrenal glands, hey, what are you doing? We need more cortisol. Cortisol is a natural hormone. It's a natural stress hormone that helps to uh, quench inflammation. It helps with with getting you know, sugar you know, into the system. So when that animal's in that sympathetic nervous system all the time, that cortisol is constantly being cranked out. And cortisol in high levels over a long period of time is damaging. It breaks down the tissues, it damages the tissues. So now you have a horse that has probably more joint pain, more organ dysfunction, more problem with their bones and Yet when they need that cortisol, it, they've, they've run, those adrenal glands can't always produce it, they're depleted. So what you need is, is to support those adrenal glands so that they can do their job and produce the cortisol, but you may need to lower that ACTH so you don't get other health problems. 
problems. It's like my fire mayor at the end of her life, and I figured this is, she helped me to figure out what was going on with these horses because she tested high with ACTH, and I initially put her on the, um, the medications after doing everything else natural to support her all the, um, you know, tonic herbs and things, but she needed a little bit more. And she ate the medications very willingly, which normally she wouldn't. But then she got to a point after she'd been on the medication for about two months, she said, I don't want it anymore. And I tested her and her, her ACTH level was completely normal and it stayed normal, but she had just burned her, her adrenal glands out. And I think these horses may not have strong adrenal glands, maybe from day one. So some of them, they just, you see that fire horse from the very beginning, start thinking adrenal support for them. And, and managing environment. Managing exactly. Environment so if you do those two things, they can have a very long, healthy life. If you don't, it's, they're going to have a lot of health, metabolic health problems. Right. All right. So, so then our, the, go ahead. Our wood horses. Your so wood horses, what you have to worry about with the wood horses is toxins. And that's what will damage their liver so that it doesn't do proper carbohydrate metabolism. So if they're getting, if they're getting a lot of fly sprays, a lot of vaccinations, a lot of dewormers, unclean diet where there's, you know, they're got a lot of GMO feeds, hays that have had a lot of pesticides sprayed on them. They live in an area where maybe there's a lot of agriculture. So there's spraying of the cotton fields those horses are going to get toxic and that those uh, accumulation of toxins are going to damage that liver to the point or impede the liver's function so that they don't do good carbohydrate metabolism. So you can end up with a horse that has laminitis or chronic abscesses, um, chronic respiratory conditions, and it's because their body is not clearing the toxins out. And they can look like an insulin-resistant horse. They can look like a, um, a Cushing's horse. But in reality, what they really need is, is more liver support and fewer, fewer toxins. Get them on a simple diet. Use a minimum of drugs. Use natural fly sprays, natural dewormers and um, minimize their vaccinations. Get that horse on as clean, as clean an environment and management system as possible. So, so we have a couple of questions here. Um, one is, do you find that wild horses like Mustangs tend to be a certain type? You know, I think if you look at survival, your, your wood horses are going to survive because they're the fastest and the strongest and your water horses in the wild are going to survive because they're the most alert. Yeah. So unfortunately your wild horses, a lot of earth horses are not going to make it because they were just busy eating, you know, while the mountain lion snuck up on them. Yeah. So, um, you know, when uh, that's the challenge with our Mustangs is that we want to adopt them out to beginners. Yeah. And we have a lot of woods and waters. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, and someone's asking, what, what would you do to support the adrenals? And I'm not sure that that's quite on topic because uh, with what we're talking about, but. Um. Well, the, I mean, yeah, you're going to have to look, that's where you're gonna have to get with someone like myself or Joyce and work out a program or do your research. I mean, your adrenal support herbs, um, your homeopathy. You know, your homeopathy won't change that horse and suddenly turn them into an earth horse, but it can help to uh, sort of modulate 
so that they can be as balanced of a fire horse as possible. But it's so important, um, and that's so often in our talks, we talk about having a team where you have the support of the veterinarian, the farrier, especially if you're talking to fire horse, you gotta make sure everything's okay. So you really need- You gotta have a good dentist that is going to be gentle with that horse and realize it's like this horse is not misbehaving, this horse is in pain. I need to give this horse an adequate dose of medication to get this job done. This horse is not trying to be difficult. They're just, you know, they're that person that's, a, you know, that's afraid of the dentist. You know, you, you, yep. you, gotta, you gotta be okay with that. Yes, and my little horse, Andy, was, he was really awful for the, for the dentist, but he was in, you know, like, he would freak out. I mean, he was yeah. the most difficult. Um, but there were prob problems there that were missed, and I think because he was difficult with that dentist, when, we, when I changed dentists, and that's a long story, suddenly that dentist could work with him and was able to resolve the dental issues. Right. And so it's, you know, not to be taken at face value, this horse is being difficult with those fire horses. Yeah. Um, so my, the next question is, um, what do you recommend to detox the toxins you spoke about uh, that most horses experience? And what about natural wormers? Yeah, well, for the, for the liver there again, you're going to want to look at your liver support. I'm not a big detox program person, you know, harsh detox. I look at liver support but it comes first with management. Don't let that liver get toxic to begin with. But what I will find is that a lot of your um, wood horses will benefit from a course of liver support herbs once a month. And I actually have balanced formulas for the five temperament types to address that. And the balanced formulas are not meant to be fed every day. They are meant to be fed when the horse is out of balance or to be fed on a regular basis, maybe like five days a month, just to maintain, you know, that balance. Now, if you've got a horse that's in a situation that's not a good situation for the horse and there's no way for you to change it, then you can feed those balance formulas on a regular basis to help that horse cope. But there again, and the balance formulas are based on the, the herbs and the neurotransmitters that are used up more quickly in these temperament types when they're under stress. So for instance, on our metal horse, one of the things when I was working with the formulator that he had a really hard time understanding is like, I want the neurotransmitters or the amino acids that support the neurotransmitters to help the horse learn. And they kept saying, oh, well here, this one's for anxiety and this one's for fear. And it's like, no, I want them to be able to learn and I've had, because that's where we talked about the metal horse gets set in their ways. And the metal horse, just their learning style is they need a lot of repetition. They don't process information quickly. It's not that they're not intelligent. They're just slow. They need to understand that we're doing this. Why? They need step by step. So I've had so many people tell me with the metal formula that their horse became so much more trainable. A classic example would be one of my friends has a metal horse that's had some chronic foot problems because he's got a little bit of a confirmation um, angle, you know, in his front feet. And so he's had a lot of stumbling issues and sto he gets stone bruises. He just kind of tends to, to get those feet landing a little bit unevenly. And one of the things that she noticed when she put him on the metal formula 
is when they be riding on the trail, instead of just stumbling along on the rough ground, he started picking his way through and finding the better paths. And that was just amazing to her because she said, always, I would be looking for, oh my, he's going to trip over this, he's going to trip over that. And then she noticed she could put her hand down. She wasn't having to guide him. And he's, he's figuring out, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go over here. This looks like a little smoother area to walk on. So it's just those kinds of, so that's what those balance formulas are designed for, the nutrients that are needed for those horses when they're under stress. They're not a complete nutritional formula. So a lot of people have a little challenge wrapping their heads around that. They're still going to need their vitamin and mineral supplements and their balanced feed. But, but like I say, the wood formula has a lot of herbs, a lot of liver support herbs in there. So um, I assume that that's on your website and people can contact you and, yes. and talk to you about it and, and figure out their horse and that sort of thing. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. If they put in, if you just put in like fire, you know, there's a place that you can select by the product name. And if you just put, you know, fire in there, it'll take you to F and it's the fire horse formula or earth. It'll take you to the earth horse formula. And then you can read about it a little bit. And we have temperament type people that will do temperament typing as well. If you go to horse temperament.com, we don't have the formulas. The formulas are on my holistic horse keeping site but the temperament horse temperament is an educational site and we have our temperament typers there. Horse temperament.com. Yep. Great. Because we had a question from as a horse owner new to learning this, how accurate is my assessment versus someone looking from the outside? The, uh, the probability that I will have a bias, but it sounds like going to horse temperament.com is a great way for a horse owner to kind of get start, start there. But if you're for, for horses that are pretty well balanced and, and pretty true to type, don't have a lot of personality layers, you will probably do fine. But when you have a lot of personality layers, you're going to need help sorting through all that. Yeah, because horses can have a, a dominant sort of personality, but subperson, they can be a, a fire metal. Yeah, you're not seeing the true temperament. Right. Yeah, yeah. I had, a, I had a situation with that with my metal horse that had been handled so roughly that he had really gone into a, a more of an extrovert type burnout and I thought he was a water horse and treated him like a water horse for a year and it finally dawned on me that he was a metal horse and so when he started to get all upset about something I you know I'd been like oh easy I'll take care of you it's okay and he'd be like oh my god and finally when it, I realized he was a metal horse when his head would start to come up and he'd start looking wild-eyed and I'd just go Remy what are you doing we got a job to do here come on and he was like oh right okay <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, even you have mistyped your own horses, you know? Oh, absolutely. So you just can't always get them right. I mean, you, you start, you do the best you can and usually you eventually get there. But the fact that you're trying means so much to the horse. Right. Um, okay. So we have, we have wood and what was the fire? And there, so earth is pretty straightforward with metabolic. You just have to make sure that you're not giving them too much sugar. You have to give them food that is nutritious food. Like one of my favorite superfoods for the earth horse is blue green algae because it doesn't add calories to their diet, but it's super concentrated in vitamins and minerals. So it gives them and it, it helps them to have a little bit more energy, but it's not going to add a lot of calories to their diet. So that when those 
metal horses, I mean, when those earth horses get overweight and they have so much fat on them, that fat are actually then starts to be toxic and produce um, chemicals in their body that make them more, um, shuts down their, their metabolism even more and they end up being insulin resistant from just chronic too much sugar and too much fat. If you can keep that earth horse a good weight, now they're never gonna be skinny or you don't want them to be skinny. They're always gonna be that one that's a little heavier and they can carry that weight perfectly fine. But when they start having the um, fat formations over their, their withers, over their tail head, and that fat starts to get a hard um, lumpy feel to it, they've shifted into insulin resistance. And now you're gonna have to be so careful with their diet, you're gonna have to start to bring that mitochondrial function back so their metabolism can work again. You're gonna have to look at things like coenzyme Q10, um, you know, much stronger antioxidants. You can have to look at thyroid support hormones, uh, I mean, uh, support supplements and, and herbs because now their thyroid is shut down. So there again, with the earth horse, you've gotta manage their diet. You have to watch them constantly because if you turn your back on them, they can gain like 100 pounds overnight, I'm pretty sure. So you really have to manage their diet, not starve them, make sure they're getting everything they need, they're getting their 2% of their body weight, but it's just not in super high calorie food. Right, um, okay, so uh, water, we have water left. Okay, so the water horse is gonna be similar to the fire horse. They can very early in life, the, um, the elements is kidney, bladder, and in Chinese medicine, the adrenals are associated with the kidney. So there again, they're going to need that adrenal support and they're going to need that careful management from day one. The other thing with the water horse is they really need their minerals. They have a higher requirement for macro minerals and micro minerals. So that um, water horse is probably gonna need some magnesium supplement from day one over and above what's in your food in the feed might as well look at getting them on a good mag and a good digestible magnesium i don't know what you use i like mag restore um i think is a good one and will help them with their with their mental uh the adrenal burns through magnesium when it's under stress and magnesium can make them really sore uh, magnesium deficiency can make them body sore and so they need that magnesium for their muscle support as well and they'll end up, same thing, if, if they go into that adrenal exhaustion, they're going to start looking like Cushing's at a very young age. Okay, all right, so, so just to recap, we've got fire and water can, can be similar and they can look Cushing's early on, right. but the water horse needs more magnesium, more minerals, right. and the fire horse, which and needs- the fire horse really needs more like their alfalfa um, to kind of keep that it's easily digested. Right. And, and, and the water horses will do well with alfalfa also. Um, maybe not as much in their diet as the um, water, as the fire horse, but they can handle a lot more alfalfa than some of your other types. Right. But the water horse needs you to manage and fear. Yes. Whereas the fire horse just needs to manage more pain. Like make pain, sure. And, and the, the fire horse has to have that praise. They right. have to, they have to know that you appreciate them. Yes. No, that was really true. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the metal one is a good one to finish on because the metal horses, 
are really pretty solid, stable, both on an emotional and a physical level. So they're pretty darn tough. So what you're going to mostly see with your metal horses is you're going to see that late in life Cushing's. They've just worked all their life and they've given it everything that they have. And it's just old age is kind of catching up with them. And so you'll start to see that metal horse when they get up in their late teens, their twenties, start to have that little bit of extra hair coat in the winter and um, antioxidants, just, just more antioxidants for those horses and, um, and fatty acids because that your, your quality fats have a lot of, of anti-inflammatory action. So get those horses on flaxseed, on chia, on pretty high levels of it and feed that to them throughout their life so that they don't wear out so quickly. You know, where the fire horse, you know, they, they maybe need more antioxidants in the form of, you know, like coenzyme Q10, something like that, uh, wheat sprouts, but the, the metal horses really do well on the anti-inflammatory effects of the fatty, of the quality fatty acids. Wow. Okay. So we have a couple of questions. Let's just okay. go through those. Um, someone's asking if there's a list of holistic vets anywhere that they can refer to, to like if find you, one. Yeah. The Holistic Veterinary Medical Association, um, ahbma.org. You can put in the area that you live and it will oftentimes bring up and then you can put in what modality you're looking for okay and then um uh someone's asking about the supplements that you talked about the different ones for the different um uh, uh elements yeah where they can get those yeah if they go to my holistichorsekeeping.com and then just go down there down on the lower on the home page on the lower left it says search by product name. So just, you know, write in, put F in, it'll take you to a little alphabet and select F and it'll, it'll take you to fire formula or select E, it'll take you to the earth formula. And um, you, can, you can order them through there. Great, and then somebody's asking, I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out exactly in what context, but grass, hay and pasture, balance or pellets, I would think in addition to, you have to make sure that you have your ration balancer or your vitamins and minerals in some form. Along. Yeah, the challenge with a lot of the ration balancers is they're soy-based oh. and that's not going to be great. They're, they're high in protein, but it's not a clean protein. So I, I actually, um, I haven't really found one that I'm particularly, do you have one that, that you, you use? No, and the GMO is such a problem because I'm, it's, it's huge. Yeah, you can't find non-GMO ration yeah. balancer that I know of. The closest thing that I've found is going to be California Trace, and um, it's designed for insulin-resistant horses, and it's it doesn't have a lot of um, soy or anything like that. It's got I think a tiny amount of, of rice bran, and but and it's going to have no iron added because so many of your ration balancers they add iron and iron for your insulin resistant horses is toxic to them they don't metabolize it at all and it makes things worse so california trace is really good and then another one that you can put out free choice is red cow from the natural vet 
Red cow. Red cow, you, you can get red cow or red cow plus. And it's the natural vet. And that is meant to be put out free choice. And it's just a, a, a natural mineral supplement that comes from um, basically from like a clay deposits. So I'd rather use something like that than the, um, yeah, not red cell, but red cow. Right. And, and you get red cow plus magnesium. So those are the only two that I've used on my own horses and feel, you know, feel comfortable with if you want, if your hay, which a lot of your grass hay especially is deficient in your minerals and you can use that to, to provide the extra minerals to them. Well, and your free choice so that the, hor the horses know what they need if they can find it. I mean, they do. And what you'll find with the red cow and, and Dan Moore is who developed this. And what he'll tell you is that the horses don't need it all the time. And he uses it in, in place of salt is they'll seek it out. Like if there's a stress on them or there's a weather change, a storm's rolling in, they'll go and they need a lot of it. That's why he likes to put it out of bucket, you know, free choice, but they don't necessarily need it all the time. Right. So someone's asking if there's a problem with California trace on the East coast, using it on the East coast. Um, that I would probably, there's, there's several other, uh, mineral formulas that are, you know, that's where you might go to your uh, extension service and, and, and find out if there's a mineral supplement that is designed specifically for that area of the country. But I would contact the people at California Trace, and I think they may have added some additional formulas. And like, if you're in Arizona, there's, there's a, um, there's one that's specifically for Arizona. It'd be something that I would Google, you know, I, I would, I would Google, you know, mineral, mineral supplements for the, specifically for the East Coast or specifically for Arizona. And I bet some of these, but you might even talk to them at California Trace and see, you know, is, is, is there something that I, can I use your product? Is there something I need to add um, on the East Coast? If you know you're in a selenium deficient area, I think they have a product that is higher in selenium. So I'm watching in the chat and a lot of people are putting in recommendations, but I, I think one of the things we have to caution here is you, you need to actually figure out what's right for your horse in your environment. And that takes your team, your vet, your nutritionist, your, your extension agent, your hay testing, because right. every situation is so different and it's very difficult to make a recommendation without knowing what a, I mean, I've had people come up to me when I was in Washington state and ask me what I should feed their horse. And I had right. no idea what they have for feed stuffs in that area. So um, I think that that's just an important caveat here that, you know, you really have to look at many factors, your hay quality, what, you know, what you're feeding, what's available, what the, what the pastures like, because that's right. going to be. Number and one. the temperament type. And you know, that's when I do my nutritional consults. That's one of the first things I want to determine. You know, what is your temperament type in your horse? Right. Um, so, you know, we, I appreciate everybody putting in all, all these suggestions, which are great, but we all have to take the responsibility. But it's great that people put it like on your Facebook page, you know, people can put in and then people can go research those exactly. products because just like you said at the beginning, a lot, there are a lot of people out there doing great work but they don't have the advertising and marketing budget that Purina has. Right. So that's where the social media can, we can say, Hey, this is what I used. I have a fire horse. It really, she did great on it. Check it out. So do you have a Facebook page? I do. I have both holistic horse keeping dot, uh, 
holistic horse keeping on Facebook and horse temperament. Oh, awesome. I, I don't think I've been on the horse temperament page. So I think I need to go over there and join that. Yeah. Page. Check, check it out. Yeah. Because that for me, I, that was such a game changer when I started to recognize the temperaments in my horses. And now the next piece that I'm hearing from you that I really need to pay attention to is, is my, my, I'm beginning to think maybe he's not just earth, but my, what I think of as my earth horse, Al, you know, yeah. he's getting older, his hair coat's gotten longer, his ACTH is up. So maybe I need to do a phone consult. Maybe just... a metal, you know, a, a metal earth. Here, I've got the, the book too. This is the feeding guide and you can get it on, on Amazon. So right. it's like each temperament I go through, what you can do naturally it includes like being a, different vegetables and fruits, you know, that they like. So how to, do, you know, how to do it from a natural, maybe you don't have to go out and get some formulated supplement. Maybe you can, you know, throw in a little sweet potato here and there and some parsley and a little celery, you know, that kind of thing. I grow a lot of sweet potatoes, but my horses weren't very big fans. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because all the foods have their energy. Yeah. And that's what I talk about from the traditional Chinese medicine of, of foods and the energetics of the foods. Like you, like people tell me in the summer in Texas that they're putting their horse on garlic for fly control. Well, garlic is hugely heating. Right. So, you know, that's probably not what you want to do in Texas in the middle of August for fly control. But if you don't know that, you're, you're heating the system up on that horse, then now maybe you have stomach issues. Right. So... It's just so much to learn. <laughs> this is that area where, you know, we're just starting to stick our toe into the nutrition side of it. I, I have Nick Barker coming back to talk about nutrition. I think it's next week. But I think we need to come back and talk to you again, Madeline, maybe in a month or so, but after people have kind of figured out their horse personality and sure. then kind of dive into this a little bit deeper because I do find this so interesting. You just can head off so many problems if you feed them and manage them correctly. I would much rather talk about heading off the problems right. than I would like to talk about treating them. Yes, and I couldn't agree with you more that being proactive and catching it ahead of time, right. which unfortunately we can't always do, but that it is a much better way to approach it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Madeline, this has been absolutely fascinating and I just, I'm so grateful to finally get to listen to you and, um, and, and, and hear more about this and, and certainly the metabolic side, which I, 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 it makes sense to me, of course, now that you said it, that there's going to be uh, metabolic uh, issues associated with personalities. But, you know, like my little fire horse, we had to, we managed his pain and made sure he was quite the happy little guy. Um, yeah. But it was always keeping, <laughs> keeping him happy. Yeah. Um, which yeah. was the, the one time, and I will just tell you the story. Um, I had taken my other two horses to a clinic that I was teaching and I brought them back and I had left him down below with some other horses so he wouldn't be alone. But when I brought him up and put him in the trailer to go to my next clinic, he thought I was taking him away from home and he freaked out and hurt himself in the trailer with a horse that had been to Seattle and back twice from Virginia. Yeah. And he, right. because he thought something awful was happening to him. And so these fire horses can be the best horses, but you really do have to be careful. <laughs> you do, and that you, you know that life happens. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to kind of say to them, it's like, okay, come on, get over yourself. We're doing this. Yeah. 
And other times and you have to not say, being to him, okay, I get it. You can't do this. We're not going to do this today. Yeah. <laughs> and he wound up coming with me because now I had to wrap all his legs. But, yep. uh, but it, I had not explained to him thoroughly enough. And I think he thought I was getting rid of him. And it was, but you know, it's that, it's that learning moment and we keep learning every day. Yeah. Well, you know, getting to this point, unfortunately, is all those horses that I've worked with over the years that the um, mainstream, you know, one size fits all approach didn't work for them. And so that's what keeps you looking, you know, for the answers. And it's like, okay, now I get it why that didn't work for you. Let's, let's give this a try. Right. Well, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. Been My great. pleasure. And, um, and I'll, I'm, I'll have you back. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Just remember that you can find this in all of the webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. If you subscribe, then you'll get the notice every time we put up another video. Um, tomorrow, my guest is Mary DeBono. We're going to talk about Feldenkrais with horses. So thanks for joining me today and see you tomorrow at one o'clock. Take care. Bye. Bye.